Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Here's what DC's talking about. Communities along the Anacostia River have a rich history of fighting for environmental justice. And now, the Anacostia Community Museum just opened a Center for Environmental Justice. It draws on the neighborhood's legacy, sets up impressive programming for both kids and adults, and spotlights marginalized voices who, despite being at the forefront of the issue, are often left out of conversations about the environment. Today's Monday, April 24th. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. So Melanie Adams, you're the director of the Anacostia Community Museum, which just launched the Center for Environmental Justice. Now, I know the ACM has been working on issues regarding environmental justice since its founding. How has that played into the museum's history and the history of Anacostia more broadly? The Anacostia Community Museum, we were founded back in 1967. So we were founded by the Smithsonian. So Anacostia has always been our home. Um, And the reason why the Smithsonian Center for Environmental Justice is going to be based in Anacostia really is because we're the Smithsonian Museum that really has been doing the work um, related to issues of environmental justice. One of our first exhibits, which took place in 1970, was called um, the Rat man's invited affliction. So talk about something that's even relevant now. Very Um, relevant. Yes. And so this was a whole exhibit examining the rat issue in Southeast and really what was man's role in this proliferation of rats. And this was a groundbreaking exhibit at the time. We actually had live rats, but it really helped to begin to tell that environmental story of people in the environment. And so many times people think of the environment as something that you go to if that makes sense. So Mm. people think like you go to the park, you go on a hike, that's the environment. And what we're really trying to explain to people, your environment is where you live. You are surrounded by your environment on a regular basis. And so starting off with that rad exhibit really began to set the stage for the work we would do moving forward. Our focus has really been along the Anacostia waterways. 2010, we actually started um, the program Urban Waterways. And then in 2018, we launched Women's Environmental Leadership. So this is a wonderful opportunity for women of all generations to come together around this issue of environmental justice, because as you know, in order to be it, you have to see it. And you have so many young women of color who may want to go into this field and they don't see anyone who looks like them doing this work. And so bringing them together with women of color who are doing the work on an annual basis to have these discussions about working in the field has also been really important to us. 
Yeah, that's so important because, you know, so often the environmental space can be very white and male. And it doesn't really make sense when you think about it because marginalized people are certainly disproportionately impacted by issues regarding the environment and climate and and environmental justice in particular. Well, and I think as we both know, women of color have always been working on these issues. They may not have been in the forefront. So that's what ends up happening. As I like to say, African-American women and their children are usually the canaries in the coal mine in this type of thing where a woman is trying to figure out sitting around the kitchen table why her child is sick. Is it the air? Is it the water? Is it the dirt? Something is, you know, happening. And so a lot of times it's these women of color who are trying to figure out how can they solve this environmental issue so they can have a healthy place for their child to live. I mean, you just articulated what I'm familiar with as the concept of environmental justice. But for folks who might be listening, who might not be familiar with that phrase, what is environmental justice? We're using the definition of the Environmental Protection Agency. So essentially, they say environmental justice is the fair treatment and meaningful involvement, which is key, meaningful involvement of all people, regardless of race, color, natural origin or income, with respect to the development, implementation, and enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. And part of the reason why I really like that is so many times people just think it's all about the treatment and they don't recognize that people of color need to be at the table when these laws and regulations and policies are put in place. Because as you mentioned, a lot of times they impact them and they find out about it on the back end. Exactly. So uh, what is the new Environmental Justice Center? So the Environmental Justice Center, really the purpose of this center is to do a few different things. First and most importantly, it's to center community. That's what we do at the Anacostia Community Museum. So many times when you think of environmental justice, you go directly to the science. And of course, we believe in the science, but we also believe in the community and the community's ability to solve its own problems. It's also to raise awareness. A lot of people really Before these types of things started hitting um, the media, a lot of people weren't even aware of systematic injustices related to urban environments. So whether it was things like, you know, water, I think COVID brought that out when people were figuring out a lot of people had underlying conditions specifically asthma, based on the communities that they lived in. We also want this center to really begin crafting community-driven solutions. As we know, we want to make sure that it's those on the ground who are impacted in this have really an opportunity to begin looking at solutions. And finally, and most importantly, that they see their own power in creating a more equitable and just environment. And I think that ties directly into the vision of the Anacostia Community Museum, which really is for urban communities to activate their collective power to create a more equitable future. So in a nutshell, the Center for Environmental Justice really will center community and their power to make positive change. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. 
Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You know, you talked about COVID being a, a real turning point for folks who maybe had not thought about environmental justice and the environment and how it impacts their everyday, like, lived experience. I do think that when it comes to things like the environment, it's so easy for folks to say, listen, I'm trying to put food on my table. I'm trying to make it to work on time. I don't have time to worry about what's happening with my environment. With so many issues to care about, why would you argue that that folks should see that environmental justice really should be a priority and really does impact their lived experience? Right. And I think that makes sense. People don't recognize the issues related to the environment until they impact them personally. (laughs) And I think that's why we haven't really seen this this connection of of more communities of color really recognizing it. And I use the COVID example because we know asthma is an underlying condition in the African-American community. And so respiratory illness made COVID worse. And so between that and lead paint, if you think about water quality, there are so many issues that impact communities of color that you're kind of forced to pay attention to it, even if there are larger issues such as housing, education, jobs, all of these things, you can't do any of those things if you're not healthy. We're also hoping people understand that environmental justice is not just about having a wonderful garden and great air and all of these things, but it's also creating a healthy environment for you, your family to prosper. Yeah, I like how you point out the way that all these issues are sort of connected. Like it's not just about having your garden. It's a like environmental justice is racial justice. It's gender justice. It's class justice. Right. And that's one of the things that really we've been working to place environmental justice within the different social justice movements. And as we know, all of these different movements, whether it's the civil rights movement, the women's movement, LGBTQ, they're all kind of based around a strong foundation around the idea of justice. And we're saying that really environmental justice really needs to be a strong civic issue for people. As we know, what's happening, you know, with the world and specifically um, with the country around issues of the environment. So it's important. And I think the other thing is, again, it's really letting people understand when you walk out your door, you're in the environment. You don't have to go hiking. (laughs) And that's too many times what we think about. As you just said, it's like people are like the environment's over there. And we're like, no, the environment's out your front door. So in terms of the Center for Environmental Justice, what do you imagine this space being used for? How do you imagine it functioning? So right now, we actually are launching a variety of different programs that will come out of the center. So the center is not necessarily a physical space right now. It's really more of the different programmatic aspects. So one program that we um, recently launched that I'm really excited about is our Environmental Justice Academy. So these are young women and um, non-binary individuals in the D.C. region who are spending roughly six months together, hybrid and in-person exploring issues of the environment and specifically around the Anacostia Waterway. And part of the reason why I really love that program is, again, exactly about everything we've been talking about. 
before they thought about this program, they didn't really think as much about the environment or how it impacted them. They really were interested in, like you said, issues around social justice and communities of color and creating more equitable opportunities. So these 35 young people now are ensconced in this idea of, you know, environmental justice really is a civic issue. And in order to be an informed citizen, they need to know why it's important to support issues of environmental justice. We'll be having our Women's Environmental Leadership Summit this fall. Um, So that'll welcome 250 individuals to our nation's capital for roughly a three-day summit to talk about issues related to the environment and specifically being a woman um, in that role. We've always had a community garden program And this year, we're excited to launch a children's gardening program. So it'll be eight weeks of children learning about how to grow their own fruits and vegetables in their gardens. That's another thing we're excited about. And it's not only the programmatic aspect. We also are really diving deep into the history. So it's collecting oral histories from individuals that have been active in the environmental justice movement. And a lot of these oral histories are actually serving as the foundation for an exhibit we're opening on May 19th, to live and breathe women's environmental justice in D.C. And so this really takes the stories of those who came before us, who've really been working in this field for decades and really telling those stories and showing, more importantly, how women have always been at the forefront of this environmental justice movement. Oh, that's so lovely. What do you see as the future of this work? I really see the future of this work is more people getting involved. I mean, I took this job in 2019. I was not aware of this component of the museum. Like the museum has an amazing history and reputation in the museum field. But I was not aware of this strong work around environmental issues. And the thing that makes it unique, it's not only the way we center community, but so many times you see more of this environmental work out of science centers or science museums. You don't necessarily see them in a multidisciplinary museum like ACM. And that's really the other important part is how we're bringing the humanities into this conversation. So we're bringing the people in addition to the science. Beautiful. Uh, Melanie Adams, thank you so much for being here. I learned a lot. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And before you go, some quick news. Councilmember Brooke Pinto wants D.C. to change its air conditioning codes. Currently, the city requires buildings with A.C. to have it running between May 15th and September 15th. But with temperatures in the 80s this April, Pinto wants to move the date up. She hopes to bring up this issue at the Board in Questions May meeting. Meanwhile, the Smithsonian is reconsidering its choice for the new head of the American Women's History Museum. It turns out that at her last job, three women accused Nancy Yao of firing them for reporting sexual harassment incidents. Yao denies retaliating. The Smithsonian hasn't laid out a timeline for its review. We've also previously reported that it's struggling to find a site for the museum Yao is meant to lead. Also, Metro released renderings of the new 8,000 series trains. They include more horizontal bench seating along the walls instead of back-to-back seating we've got now. It's all to create gangways that you can walk through and more space for bikes, wheelchairs, and luggage. Metro will have a pop-up in May to gather feedback from riders. Weigh in now because Metro's funding situation is in flux and who knows what other nice things we'll be able to get. And lastly, today's DC life hack is... 
The Smithsonian Postal Service Museum is fabulous for little kids. They have all kinds of vehicles that mail gets delivered in, and you can actually get into one. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite outdoor enthusiast and subscribe to our morning newsletter? We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.